For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to KNBR host and former Golden State Warrior Tom Tolbert about the Warriors' woes as they head into the 2020-2021 season. I don't think anybody was anticipating any woes at this juncture for the Warriors, except that 90 minutes before they were set to make the number two pick in Wednesday night's NBA draft, a devastating blow. They find out that Klay Thompson has a lower right leg injury since then. We found out he's torn his Achilles and will miss the entirety of the 2020-2021 NBA campaign. That means that he'll have missed his age 29 and age 30 seasons. On the same day, they make the selection of James Wiseman, their new big man, seven foot one, 19-year-old out of Memphis, played just three college games, and the Warriors made him their number two draft pick. All things we can discuss with Tom Tolbert, who joins me next. It's Friday, November 20th. My pleasure to welcome in now Tom Tolbert. Tom, thanks for joining the update, man. I'm sorry it's not under better circumstances. We've got to talk Clay Thompson and the Achilles injury. How are you, man? Good. You? What's up, Cope? I'm good. I was excited about the draft. I think Warrior fans were fired up. I think we were looking forward to, to who would be the next piece. And now we got to talk about this Clay Thompson injury. It's devastating, I think, is the word everybody's using. It sort of made me think of Grant Hill. Uh, what were your reactions when you first heard about the injury? Well, we don't have to talk about it. It's not Russia. I mean, we don't, we don't have to, it's just brutal. I just feel bad for him. I mean, just two years, two years wiped out, done. I can't even imagine what it's like coming back from one catastrophic injury and then getting hit with another one before you ever get a chance to get your season underway. I mean, mentally, I just can't even imagine what he's going through right now. And I know there's a lot of people who say, well, he's fine. He's got all kinds of money and he's young and it's just, what he loves was taken away, and then it was taken away for two years now. Being with his guys, being out there in the court and battling with them and not feeling like a guy with an all-access pass sitting on the benches watching the games, it's going to be brutal. I'm sure he'll get through it, but it's not going to be easy. So first and foremost, I just feel for him. Then I just feel for everybody who's a yeah, Warrior fan, just kind of with this whole thing with the pandemic and the new arena opening up, and then the injuries, and I'm kind of non-sequential here, but it was just all happened all in one year, and it was like, oh, man, if we could maybe get this thing back to where we can get fans at some point during the year and we could enjoy the new arena, and we'll have our team back, and we'll be able to compete, and then bam. I mean, I still think they're going to be pretty good, but I don't think they compete for a championship anymore. And well, let me let me go ahead and withhold that comment until I see who they pick up because I don't think their roster is fully formed yet. So let's see. But you can't replace Clay with one guy. I'm not even sure if you replace him with two guys. Everything he brings to the team. So yeah, it's just brutal. Just brutal news. The high of drafting, uh, you know, having a number two pick and getting a big time talent and hopefully he'll contribute to the team for years to come to losing you know one of your stars somebody that'll be hanging up in the rafter someday tough I was trying to think about like is there a Bay Area equivalent like yeah when when Buster Posey had the the injury at home plate like that one but it's it coming off of the world championship like it's a little bit different he's a young player you're right though age 29 and age 30 seasons just gone and and from the human element yeah, to have that taken away from him, it's a gut punch. It's devastating from a basketball side of things. This happens like 90 minutes before you got to make a draft pick. I didn't expect them to change their minds about anything. Was there a player you thought maybe differently about after the injury, or, or was James Wiseman your guy the whole way? 
I didn't have a guy. I'll be honest with you. I didn't see enough of anybody to have a real opinion. I mean, LaMelo didn't see it all. Wiseman saw for a couple games. I saw the Oregon game. Edwards I saw here and there. For the most part, I mean, I saw most of the Pac-12 guys. I saw those guys quite a bit. But the, the top guys, I didn't really have an opinion on. And it sounded like most everybody didn't have a strong opinion on them either because if they would have, we would have had a consensus number one or a consensus number one, number two. We had a consensus kind of nothing. It was just, you know, we don't know. We think these guys can be really good, but not sure. So I think the Warriors did the best they could under the circumstances. I know Wiseman was the number one recruit coming out of high school. So he has the pedigree. He sounds like he has the work ethic and the intelligence, but you don't know anything about these guys until you get them in your system for a couple of years and see how they adapt to the NBA lifestyle and see what their work ethic is and see how much they love the game and how coachable they are and what kind of teammates they are. I mean, all those things to find out, you know, within a year or two, but you're not going to know them right now. So I don't know. I figured they'd take who they were going to take though, to answer your question. I don't think you, you back off that. You take who you think the best player is when you drafted number two and they thought Wiseman was the best player. So we'll see. Seems to fit a need and he seems to be a really good player. I say it seems because I don't know yet, but we're about to find out. Hopefully, maybe. I don't know. Are we? Shit. I don't know. Could I curse on this podcast? I have no idea. I just did. Yeah. yeah. That's what 2020 <laughs> did to me. <laughs> you can say whatever you want, man. It's B. Smith who has to deal with uh, with cutting this thing up. So you're all good, dude. Put him to work. I'm happy with it. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. You mentioned the uh, the Pac-12 guys. They took one of your guys in the second round, Nico Mannion. What'd you think of him? He's kind of a playmaker. I thought this was a good pick. It looks like they maybe got some good value out of him. I think he was rated as a, as a top 10 or 11 point guard in the draft for whatever that means. But what do you think of him? Yeah, it was weird because when he first came to Arizona, I was expecting, like, he was like one of the top five, 10 players in the country. Like, I was expecting, like, this guy's going to be incredible. And I got to be honest, it was a little disappointing because I was like, well, you know, I, he's not this, he's not that. But you got to throw that stuff out of your head. I mean, that's what those rankings do to you. They give you expectations that you shouldn't have in your head. So the more I watched him, the more I really liked the way he plays the game. He's not a great shooter. I mean, he didn't shoot, but like low 30%, uh, I think threes, and he shot below 40% overall. He's a pretty good finisher. He's got some pretty good finishes, but he's got to get better shooting the ball. Defensively, he's got some work to do. But he really has a nice feel for the game. You watch the way he runs the pick and roll, and you watch the way he sees the court. He can play with speed. He gets the ball, and he goes, and he sees things. That, I think, is the most impressive trait. He knows how to play basketball. He understands the game. He sees the court. He sees stuff happening. So from that standpoint, I think he's going to be in really good shape. He's got to learn to shoot a little bit better, a little more consistently. I mean, you can say that about a lot of these guys nowadays, but he's going to have to learn to do that. Defensively, I think he may be a little bit more like Steph, where he's going to have to rely on his intelligence and being a really good team defender and then just battling your butt off. I mean, Steph's not a particularly good defender, but Steph works at it and Steph tries. And Steph's a good team defender, and he'll give you an honest effort. He doesn't just dog it on the defensive end. And I think that's what he's going to have to do. You know, use his smarts, his intelligent, best fit within the uh, team dynamic defensively. But yeah, I thought at that point, it was a really good pick. A really good pick. Because anytime you can get somebody that just really kind of understands the game and has a really good feel for the game, especially at that position, I think you've done yourself well. 
And then they did a draft and stash with this kid, uh, Justinian Jessup. He's going over to Australia to play uh, for the Illawarra Hawks for a year before they try to bring him back. You mentioned the rankings, like how much weight do you give those or what do you put into those? What always cracks me up is the draft comps. Like they had 69 minutes on Wiseman and they're like, this guy's Chris Bosh. He's a Chris Bosh comp. I'm like, I never know what to make of that. Did you have a comp when you were coming out? Did I have a comp when I was coming out? No, I don't think anybody would have <laughs> yeah, wanted I need, to be I need a to me. comp, dude. Yeah. They would have been like, no, please don't. Don't compare me to that guy. And yeah, I was much better than that guy. I don't know who I... I'll be I'll be honest. I don't know who I would have been back then. It'd be interesting for somebody to to look that up. All I want, though, is when Jessup plays for the, uh, the Warriors, if he ever makes it over here, the first time he gets interviewed, I want him to say, you need me on that wall. You want me on that wall. That's all I want. <laughs> and then you know what? That drop pick will be a success. Then you get it out of there. Yeah. Then you get the uh, the value out of the pick. One more here <laughs> on the on the wing position because he's a guy who's a wing, and uh, we mentioned Mannion. He's a he's a guard, but that's the position that's going to take the hit now without Clay Thompson. Kelly Oubre Jr. for the trade exception. Who do you like fitting in there? Is is Wiggins a no brainer to stay now because you need to fill that spot? What do you think about the wing position and where they go in the next couple of days? I have no idea. I'll be honest. I don't. I have no idea where they're where they're thinking about going. I have no idea if they're going to have to change up a little bit. I mean, look, Clay going down. You still need wings. You needed wings before. You're going to need wings even more now. Do you try to get a little more, a little more shooting? I'm not sure. I've always liked Uber. I've always liked his length and his athleticism. And he's a he's a capable enough shooter. He's not a great shooter, but he's a good enough shooter. I mean, you can't just leave him over there, out there, especially in the corners. I mean, he would definitely make shots on you and he's got some really, really long arms. So he could definitely be of use defensive switches and stuff like that. So I really like him as far as the entire list of guys that they are going after that. I don't know, but I would suspect they'd be guys like that, but I, yeah, I've always liked Uber. I've always thought Uber was a, a really good, like, you know, sixth, seventh, eighth guy that can play 20 minutes a game, if not a little bit more, and affect the game on both ends of the court. Yeah, I think they've slaughtered him in at times when they need him to start, too. So that could be a, that could be valuable if they decide to, to make that move with OKC. Tom, appreciate the time, man. Thanks for, for coming by and hanging out and, and cursing out B. Smith and putting him to work. That's all good, man. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks, Copes. Appreciate it. Suck it, Smith. <laughs> Catch you later, man. Thanks, Tom. Great stuff from Tom Tolbert, and shortly after we finish talking to Tom, as we record this on Thursday afternoon, November 19th, our own Shams Charania of The Athletic reporting that the Oklahoma City Thunder are in serious talks to move Kelly Oubre Jr. to the Golden State Warriors. This is what sources, again, are telling our own Shams Charania. The details of that deal would mean that the Warriors would take on Kelly Oubre and his $14.5 million contract into their $17.2 million trade exception. That's all once this deal becomes official. Thank you to Tom. Thank you to Brian. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you're listening to us. We'll keep bringing you the best stories in Bay Area sports. And that continues on Monday when we'll take a little dive into the hot stove league with our own Melissa Lockhart. She's got a couple of good pieces in the last two weeks on the San Francisco Giants top prospects. Also some stuff on the national level as to where Theo Epstein may end up. And if David Forrest of the A's could be headed elsewhere. All that is coming up Monday on The Update, but until then, enjoy the weekend.